Welcome to the Joshua Morales Podcast. So just so people can get to know you a little, what's your background and how do you start doing what you're doing now? All right. My name is uh, Ram Danesey and I'm a full-time musician, singer-songwriter. Um, I've been playing professionally for about 10 years. Uh, I started off as a rock band, you know, writing my own music, performing with my band uh, around town. And then I uh, transitioned my way into uh, doing, you know, cover gigs and, uh, you know, playing, doing solo gigs, gigs with my band, festivals, private events. And uh, now I'm a full-time musician, um, still write, still record, still travel a little bit. And, uh, yep, that's all I do. So obviously music plays a large role in your life. Uh, what are some of the coolest achievements that you've had so far? Uh, well, so far, uh, early in my career, um, my band got to open up for a couple of big acts like uh, the Cranberries, Third Eye Blind, Alter Bridge, Sticks, Ted Nugent. Um, so all these, you know, these national acts would roll into town and uh, the radio station would, would book us to be the opening act. And, through those gigs, we got a lot of exposure and uh, basically made a name for ourselves. Uh, that's one big achievement. And uh, I've done quite a bit of traveling in Nashville, done some recordings over there, uh, some interviews with uh, record labels, showcases. So that's a, another you know big achievement. And the biggest achievement has to be my daughter, my eight-year-old daughter, Aria, who was uh, born deaf, but through music and technology and uh, and doctors and stuff, you know, we um, managed to find a, a solution. And now, yeah, she can hear. And she's definitely my biggest achievement. So so let me touch on that. So obviously, being a father myself, uh, I can tell you how much the kids like mean to my life. But your daughter, she was born deaf, correct? I, I understand that there are at least 30,000 kids that have uh, cochlear implants. Can you shed some light on what that is? Or if people don't know what that is. Sure. Of course. Um, so she, before she was born, um, the doctors informed us that, that our daughter would be born um, possibly deaf, possibly blind, and with other uh, disabilities. But when she was born, she was only born with hearing loss, which was best case scenario for us. Um, and uh, when she turned one, she received cochlear implants, which is basically uh, for the deaf. And it's, uh, they they implant a, a microchip in in the patient's skull. And then uh, through a magnet, the patient wears um, hearing aids over the ear. So the sound is picked up through tiny microphones on the hearing aid. And then it's transmitted digitally uh, through magnets and through the microchip in her skull. And that's how her brain processes sounds. So uh, she's had those those processors since she was one. She's eight now, and so through through uh, through therapy and um, and just upgrading her equipment and just uh, really just uh, learning about the processors, she's she's done really well, and now she's hearing just like you and I, if not sometimes better, speaks just like you and I, and so she attends a mainstream school, uh, no sign language. She really defied all the odds, and uh, a lot of the doctors didn't expect her to to be able to speak as well as she does or to be able to hear or to be able to communicate. And, uh, she really proved everybody wrong. And, uh, and she loves music too. Um, a lot of patients with cochlear implants, they say studies have shown that they, it's hard for them to, 
to really perceive music the way we do, but uh, she's definitely an exception to that rule wow, because that, she really actually, loves it. That's really interesting because you come from such an artistic background where you use all your senses and specifically hearing. So what was it like when you first heard it? What were you feeling? Well, we were devastated right away. Um, but I never, from the beginning, I never lost hope. I was never discouraged. Um, you know, my wife took it really hard and our, our family did. But I never, not for one minute, did I ever believe that, you know, she would be held back from life. I, I, I made it a point and I told myself that she would succeed. She would thrive in life by any means necessary. Um, and despite the, the irony of me being a musician, and my daughter being born without hearing, uh, I was still, I still had faith and I still believed that everything was going to be okay. And, uh, and, and that's what you got to do in situations like that. And, you know, in life in general, uh, you just have to stay optimistic and, and believe. And we did. And, and now, you know, uh, it's definitely paid off. You know, she's, she's very bright. She loves music. She's doing well. And, I have really, really high expectations for her because if she can overcome that situation and if, she's, if she can come this far, then she can definitely be I can so much more in the future. So, so having the musician lifestyle, obviously it's not a nine to five job and you have a family and you're married. For me, it's very difficult to do what I do because I, I travel, I go out quite a bit. And what did that conversation sound mm -hmm. like with your wife? Because I have a hard time doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, to be honest, um, you know, my wife and I, we've been together for 10 years and she's always supported me and, and my decisions and everything. So pretty much uh, without, I guess you could say that I have two, two different parts of my life. I mean, during the day, I devote my time 100% to my wife and, and my daughter. You know, I'm with them all day long. We do spend time together, do everything that we can. And then at night, it's work mode. Um, I turn, you know, I, I become the artist that I am, and I go do my thing. And I devote all my time to my job, to my music, to the networking, the gigging, you know, uh, perfecting my craft, all those things. So it's just really, a, it's, it's, it comes to a balance. When I'm at home, you know, I keep the music, to a minimum or maybe nothing at all and just be the, you know, a father and a husband. And then, you know, my, my little girl and my wife know that when I'm at work, it's all about the work. It's all about the music. It's all about my job and, and, and progressing. So that's really just it. Just, just balancing, knowing when to put the guitar down. I think that and when to pick the guitar for, up. for a lot of people nowadays, because there's so many things that people can do now and they're exploring that, the Avenue. Right. So, being able to do what you yep, want yep. when you can, but also having a family and bringing along your family for the ride is sometimes difficult, but I, I feel it's the most mm -hmm. rewarding to make your life on your own terms. So yes, yes. I remember playing gigs for the weekend and nightlife. It was, it got really old, really fast, especially when I had kids. Uh, the kids don't care if you've been drinking or playing all night, right? But you stopped <laughs> drinking. Um, I'm going on 180 days. Um, I quit drinking in January and long story short, uh, drinking was becoming part of my job for years and years because, you know, I'm around it. Um, it's there, it's accessible. People send drinks, things like that. So it was becoming part of the job description. And, uh, one night, you know, I, I kind of just took it too far 
And I woke up the next morning and I said, you know what? That's it. Like, I, re I really need to stop. Like, the, I don't, I, I can play guitar and I can sing without drinking and I can socialize and I can be the artist that I want to be without drinking. I wasn't dependent on the alcohol. It was just becoming too, too accessible to the point where it was part of the routine. Maybe I didn't even need a drink, but I was just drinking anyways. So I said, you know what? Let me put that down. You know, it's a, it's a real test of uh, willpower. So I stopped drinking and it's been the best decision I've ever made. I mean, I, I feel great. I sing better. I perform better. I have a clearer state of mind. Um, you know, my family loves it. So yeah, it's really, it's, it's kind of also like being reborn. It's, it's uh, you know, taking my career and my perspective of my career in a new, new direction. And I'm excited that's, to see what it brings. Because I've always felt that the nightlife pulls in the musician and it grabs a hold of them because you, you're kind of pressured in that situation because it's a bar, right? You don't want to be the only person that's not yeah. drinking in the whole bar. <laughs> so, so you're obviously surrounded by all those people, but do you miss it at all? Uh, I don't. And I don't because my job as a, as a musician at these venues and at these bars and at these shows is to provide the people with the best musical experience that I can offer. And being sober, I know that I am doing the best I can. I am performing the best I can, the most that I'm capable of. Being sober means, you know, I'm at the top of my game. The notes come out better, clearer, stronger. So at the end of the day, the reward is so much better walking out knowing that I did the best I could. I provided a great, uh, you know, concert experience, a great show, great music. And to me, that's far outweighs, you know, the, the fun that you do get drinking and socializing with people. So, yeah, I, 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 now that I'm sober, I really pick having that satisfaction over, over drinking. It's interesting because not too many people make that decision and just stay in that same loop over and over and over again. And it kind of just, it, it implodes on you eventually. And you're just like, all right, got to get up again, go do this, drink. And yeah, this yeah. whole cycle kind of sucks for a musician, right? Yeah. But you went from yeah. rock to country because you, you went to, uh, you went to Nashville, right? Tell me about that experience. Yes. Yes. Um, Okay, well, uh, we were doing, you know, uh, rock, you know, original shows and stuff like that. And um, I actually went to, to Nashville with my rock pop stuff. But while I was there recording, uh, you know, between the, the producers and the studio musicians and the labels that I met with, they kind of twisted and morphed my already pop rock music. You know, anything that you drop in Nashville is going to eventually slowly become country. So I ended up, I ended up out there, you know, uh, writing and singing my, my pop songs, but they were kind of being, uh, portrayed as country tunes, you know, with the, all the country studio musicians and producers out there. So I guess you could say I was letting the songs just become what they wanted to become. But since I was in Nashville, you know, they ended up being very, very country sounding. All right, so next question. And you can tell me to piss off or you can go into as much detail as you like. <laughs> What's the whole beef with Gilbert? I want to know because he managed you at some point, right? Oh, yes. Um, so without going into detail, uh, I'd, I'd say my, my career has been broken down into three really managers that I had in, in the past. So I had one manager when I was uh, early on. I was like 19 years old, and he's the one that introduced me to, to the scene and taught me the – 
you know, how to get gigs and, and, and put on a show and things like that. And then uh, from there, I went, I met Gilbert, really, really close friend of mine. He managed me for, uh, we did an album together in Austin and he helped me write some of the songs. And he also taught me, actually, he took, you know, my education of music business to the next level, uh, helped me brand myself and everything. So we really don't have a beef. So we like to joke around of what, you know, what could have been had we stuck together and kept you know, working on music and, and working together with the business. He likes to joke around about it, and, and so do I. So I mean, that, that's about it. That's all I could. All right, that's cool. So let's, let's transition into social media. So obviously okay. you're in front of a crowd playing in front of a bunch of people, and I'm assuming that you're very comfortable in that, in that aspect, right? Sure. So jumping on social media and, and performing your funny videos and your trick shots, was it an easy transition or is it just something that, that you're good at? Um, well, I'll tell you how I, I started with the trick shot thing. Um, so every, every Sunday we go out to my parents' house, kind of out in, out in the boonies. Uh, we, we bought this basketball, portable basketball court thing. And on my phone, uh, I realized that I had this slow motion setting on it, on the camera. And I had never really messed with this. So I said, you know what, let me, uh, let me set my phone up on the basketball rim. And, you know, I went and I was shooting around the basketball and and i did a, a shot behind my my back caught it i think that's the first trick shot video that i posted ever and i said hey that looks pretty cool and i said should i post it and i said you know what why not so i just posted it and i, I really posted it for me i just wanted to put it out there wasn't expecting anything out of it and I, you know i got a little little bit of attention and I said you know what i'll turn this into a trick shot sunday Something to look forward to, you know, um, I can, you know, I work and perform all week and it turns it into a thing. You know, I can't wait to get to my parents' house, try and do something fine and then post it online. And then, um, slowly started taking off. You know, I got more into it. I, I started looking forward more and more as the weeks went by. And then, uh, I did this trick shot and America's Funniest Videos, the TV show contacted me if they could use that video in one of their episodes, you know, I knew it was, I was onto something at that point. And I got really excited and I said, of course. So that's when I said, you know what? I need to, I need to kind of take this a little serious, you know, maybe not uh, go crazy or lose sleep over it, but, you know, make it a normal thing. Just be more consistent. So I started posting some more, you know, consistent trick shots and the Chive, uh, the website. And they also have a TV show, the Chive, reached out to me and they posted, I think two of my trick shots videos. And then, uh, yeah, it was, I just do it for fun. I mean, I, I love doing it. It's, it's, it's a great challenge. That's awesome. Cause I saw on the shive, uh, that I think the last time I saw it, it had a hundred thousand views already. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I honestly feel that the people that can offer some type of educational informational or entertainment aspect on social media are just going to crush it. But, not everybody can come out on camera. And as, in my line of work, as soon as I turn on that camera, they freeze. What are some tips that you can give people to actually push that record button and just go with it? <clears throat> Man, that's a great question. Well, I guess I'll compare it to when I actually do my trick shots. So there's been some trick shots where I've seen people do them and I try to you know, emulate them. Or somebody will challenge me and tell me, you know, uh, I bet you can't do this or whatever. So what it comes down to, you can do anything. You can do a trick shot. You can, do, you can write a song. 
can sing a song, you can perform on camera. These things, because they've been done before and they will be done in the future, you can do it. It's possible. So, you know, don't be afraid to whatever talent, whatever passion you have, be afraid to hit the court. Don't be afraid to, to put it out there for people to see. You know, somewhere out there, somebody, you know, they can, they really love your music or they they can uh they're really inspired by the trick shots you're doing or whatever videos you're posting so just put it out there if you put something out there it doesn't mean it's going to go from point a to point b to where exactly where you, where you want it to go it may take some twists and turns but it, it could get there and you know you just don't be afraid to let it out to, to put it out there i love that piece of advice so what everybody wants to know is are you just that gifted or do you do those shots a thousand times to get it perfected? Okay, well th that that's an easy question, and and I and I've done some of my trick shots in front of people. Um, so if I post a, a trick shot online, it means that I got it down at least within the first five five attempts. Wow! Now, not some of them I've gotten down on the first try, some of them on the second, but I don't have the patience especially my, my wife and my little one, they don't have the patience to sit there for, you know, hours, <laughs> hundreds of attempts until I get it right. Now that would be insane for me to put them through that. Um, but yeah, so really what happens is I just, I just feel it. I just say, yeah, you know, I feel like doing a trick shot or sometimes somebody will challenge me. Hey, I bet you can't do this. And I just tell my wife or whoever's around, you know, Hey, you know, hold the phone, record me please. And a couple of attempts later, if I get it, it goes online. If I don't get it, I never post it. So <laughs> needless to say, I'm not. Yeah, needless to say, I'm not uh, attempting trick shots. You know, ten a day or anything. Sometimes I'll go days without even trying them. But yeah, if they do online, it means that I got them pretty quick, and you know, I, I'm really proud of it. So I, I put it up there. That's pretty awesome. Now I can't do this podcast without touching more on social media. So how have you seen social media help you create awareness around your brand? For, for your music, for your trick shots, for anything? I guess what I've learned is times have changed and times are changing. And social media is, is everything. And uh, when it comes to my, I guess we'll start with my music. Um, what I'm trying not to do is uh, saturate people with my music and my brand. I I'm trying not to oversaturate them. In other words, I'm not posting constantly because with the way the algorithms work, and I mean, you know more than I do, especially about, you know, all that social media stuff. But when it comes to music, if you keep posting, you know, uh, post after post about your new, your music and what you're gigging and things like that, it gets kind of swept under the rug by these platforms. So I save my, my musical posts for, you know, uh, big announcements, new music, and once in a while I'll promote a, a gig here and there. But uh, you just have to learn to uh, to realize that less is more when it comes to posting. At the same time, you can't go uh, stagnant. You can't grow stagnant and not post anything. So there's a, uh, there's a gray area. You know, there's a fine line between posting too much and too little. Um, and then with my trick shots, I let that happen. And I'm glad that it happened organically because there's so many ways now. And, and like I said, you know all about this about boosting uh, for views and paying for people to see your stuff. And I'm really proud that my, my trick shots, everything happened organically. That's you probably know, uh, one of the hardest things to do is to get 
content to to go out organically in front of a lot of people and you're obviously yeah. onto something man yeah yeah um now now the trick is you know everything i mean i'm and people have heard this all, you know a lot everything's about instant entertainment instant entertainment you know like uh finding a funny meme or, or a gif online or you know everything has to be instant so these trick shots usually like 30 seconds or less i post them up and they're instant you know and 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 people share them and they comment and they like them and they, they don't, they disbelieve them, but it's all instant. And I guess if you can provide that, and, and I wish I could find a way to cross that instant uh, entertainment over to music. I guess that's, that's the new challenge nowadays is, you know, typical song lasts three to four minutes, but you know, the, the attention span of the average listener and, and consumer online it's about what, 30 seconds nowadays. So yeah, how do you cross that? Less, man. Yeah, yeah. How do you cross that over music to that instant entertainment? That that's the the challenge that I've been kind of uh, thinking about lately. So I, I had asked this, I think, last season on the podcast, uh, where I had said something about it. What? And, and I'm, I'm obviously I'm not a songwriter. Uh, I don't perform as much as you do. But what? And I'm looking at the social media aspect of it. What if you were to create songs that were 60 seconds in length? Would that be possible? Would that even be worth it? You know what? I, I remember seeing uh, that you had you had posted about that. Um, it, it's tricky because instant entertainment, you know, uh, especially on social media and YouTube and stuff like that. People, you know, they see these clips, these 15 second, 30 second clips, and, and then they scroll and they're on to the next. But when it comes down to music, when people listen to music, uh, whether it's in the gym, in the car, before bed, whatever, at a, at a show, they listen and they and they and they become, they dive into the song. They get lost in it, you know. So people like to get lost in a song for three to four minutes. They close their eyes. They forget about everything. I don't know how that would kind of transition to sixty-second songs. Right. You know, like, uh, like, I mean, let's say you go to the gym and, and, and you're working out or whatever, and, and you're hearing a song for 60 seconds, uh, you know, and that might be too short for you to actually appreciate or enjoy the artist or the song itself. So, man, it, it's, it's a good question. Uh, but, uh, man, it's, it's tough. I, it'd be interesting to see how that could, that could play out. So how do you feel about social media giving a voice to every single person, regardless if they're right or wrong? Um, I think, I think it's good. Um, I think, you know, I, I'm glad that everybody is able to get a voice. Um, now the whole right and wrong thing is also about perception. So that's why, uh, you know, at least we have the option of choosing who we get to follow and who gets to follow us online. So social media to me and, and the voices, you know, that everybody gets to have, it's kind of like a digital tangible way for you to shape and customize your life to the way you want it. So yes, everybody has a voice, but uh, you know, politically, if you, if you, you know, have one way of looking at things, all you have to do is just filter out the people and friends that agree with you. And then there's your customized uh, life experience. So, you know, a lot of bad comes from it and arguments and debates and all these things. But at the same time, it's all about perception and having the right to choose who you socialize with on social media.
So I'm going to take you out to, to left field here. Um, I'm fascinated, obviously, with science and space and stuff like that. But Neuralink is, is uh, Elon Musk's plan to connect humans to the matrix, right? And you'll okay. be able to upload your thoughts and download your skills, whatever you want, right? Kind of making us okay. like, like cybernetic uh, beings, right? So okay. with, are you that type of person that sees yourself doing that in the future? And the reason I ask this is because there's a huge debate about human, right? What makes yeah. somebody human once you put yourself into this matrix, whatever, you're losing that piece of you. But with the advancements in technology, obviously, and even with your daughter, with the, the technology that went into your ear with the cochlear implants, uh-huh. that's uh-huh. kind of like the advancements of where science is taking medicine in the future. So back to the question, do you see yourself plugging yourself into the system and, and uploading memories, downloading skills, stuff like that. Um, hey, if, if it, when, if, and when it comes, becomes available. Yeah. Why not? I mean, the, let me just, just going back into uh, with music. I mean, there's so many great musicians that passed away at a young age, you know, like, uh, like Steve Ray Vaughan is one of, one of my inspirations. And I mean, who's, who knows what he would have brought to music or, to the world had he still been alive. Now, if there's some piece of information or, or idea or music or whatever that's in my brain that could possibly help somebody out there medically or anyway, emotionally, I mean, by all means, you know, plug me into the matrix, take what you need from me. If it's, if it's going to save somebody down the road or generations or whatever, yeah, why not? I'm all for it because I think there's more in our brains that this actual earth and that this world can handle. There's, you know, so many ideas and so many emotions, things that, things that we can't even put words into. And if plugging us into the system in the future will allow it to expand and grow and, and to be portrayed, then I'm all for it. Yeah. Why not? So obviously I'd like to thank you for coming on to the podcast, but before we leave, uh, where can people find, find you and reach out to you? Uh, best platforms are on Facebook, Ram Danese, R-A-M-D-A-N-E-S-S-E. I'm also on Instagram, same thing, Ram Danese. And uh, on YouTube, just uh, look me up, Ram Danese. So one last thing before we go, and ask this to everybody. In years of being alive and everything that you've gone through, everything you've experienced, what is the best piece of advice that you would give anybody, somebody? Okay, um, this is easy. And this I learned from my dad uh, growing up. Be a good person. Be a good person. Be compassionate to others. doesn't matter who they are. If you have that, that mindset, everything else will fall into place. Follow your passion, but just at the end of the day, be a good person. Whatever religion, whatever political stance you have, ethnicity, race, doesn't matter. Just be a good person because there aren't enough of good people in this world anymore. Or maybe there never was. But the best you can do to contribute to to this world is just be a good person. Ram, I appreciate your time and uh, your honesty and, and all your insight on, on life, dude. So uh, appreciate it once again. Thank you for being on the podcast, man. Yeah, thank, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you so I'll much. Talk to you soon, man. Welcome to the Joshua Morales Podcast.